Today in Security from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas, building a network to connect 40 million people to the Internet, cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a family moved to Napa and created one of the largest private wineries in the world. Tech Alone Can't Solve the Opioid Crisis by Izzy Lepowski. As a fourth-year medical student at Yale, Matthew Erlinson says he had to think long and hard about whether to participate in a recent hackathon at the Department of Health and Human Services. The two-day event seemed like an innovative way to confront the opioid crisis, which kills more than 90 people in the U.S. every day. But Erlinson found that hard to square with President Trump's calls for the health care system to fail and the administration's reported efforts to ban words like science-based and diversity from official Center for Disease Control records. The direction health care is heading is deeply concerning for me as a future provider, he says. I believe in science and I believe in diversity. But ultimately, Erlinson also believes that resolving the opioid crisis requires technology that places the most accurate information at the fingertips of both physicians and policymakers. So Erlinson and his team at Origami Innovations, an incubator run by Yale students, jumped in. I want to be a part of this conversation, even if it's a difficult I want to be part of this conversation, even if it's difficult to do so, he says, because we need individuals there who are advocating for points of view that encourage diversity and evidence-based policy. The two-day event, directed by HHS Chief Technology Officer Bruce Greenstein and Chief Data Officer Mona Siddiqui, was not altogether unlike the many hackathons previously hosted by the Obama administration. More than 200 programmers, more than 200 programmers, academics, and public health experts chowed down on three dozen pizzas, guzzling gallons of coffee during 36-hour coding sprints. Eight states and a slew of government agencies, including the CDC and the DEA, opened up 71 data sets so that the groups might find better ways to integrate and organize it in all ways that could lead to better decision-making by governments and health care providers. 
In the end, three teams, including Erlinson's, walked away with $10,000 each, money HHS hopes will transform their overnight inventions into actual products. According to acting HHS Secretary Eric Hargan, the hackathon is part of the administration's commitment to opening the doors to more public-private collaboration on these issues and helping drive innovative solutions. It really gave us the opportunity to bring together people from the technology and innovation community as well as people within HHS and other government agencies, says Greenstein. The competitors were divided into three tracks tasked with creating tools that could either help monitor the movement of legal and illicit drugs, help physicians deliver treatment more efficiently, or help governments more accurately identify who might be at risk of abusing opioids. And yet, despite that commendable instinct and the necessity of new tools to combat the opioid crisis, researchers say an event like this one can only do so much compared to the Trump administration's overarching approach to the issue. We're not going to code our way out of this problem, said Brendan Saliner, a professor at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. In late October, the Trump administration declared the opioid crisis a public health emergency, a designation that loosens regulations with regard to how states can use existing funds. But the announcement stopped short of providing states with any additional emergency funding or allowing them to tap into the Federal Disaster Relief Fund, which aids states after natural disasters. Critics condemned the declaration as a marketing stunt, an emergency in name only. There are a lot of things there's wide agreement about on all sides of the aisle that we should be doing, but doing them takes money and rallying resources, says Richard Frank, a professor of health economics at Harvard Medical School who worked for HHS between 2013 and 2016. I don't see any new effort in that direction. The administration has spent its first year endorsing a radical overhaul of the health care system that would have drastically cut Medicaid funding to states, which could prevent opioid users from obtaining the health care coverage they need to seek treatment. With the failure of the Obamacare repeal effort, Saliner says, we dodged a bullet. But the GOP's recently passed tax plan could have its own destabilizing effects on the health care market. With the elimination of the individual mandate that required people to get coverage, economists fear health care premiums will rise. Healthier people will forego insurance, leaving the system disproportionately saddled with sicker, costlier members. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that losing the individual mandate will increase the number of uninsured people in America by 13 million over the next decade. Some money has flowed in. The 21st Century Cures Act designates $1 billion to states to fight the opioid crisis over two years. But that bill was signed in December 2016, before President Trump took office. I think there's a lot of rhetoric that we're in an acute crisis, says Saliner. What I don't see yet is the full weight of the federal government behind a comprehensive response plan. Better tech is no substitute for such a plan, and yet in the absence of additional federal funding to combat the crisis, tech can at least help states better direct what limited resources they do have. 
That's what the 50 teams participating in the hackathon hoped to achieve, regardless of their personal disagreements with the administration's broader policies. We all have our different political views, but this is such an important national issue, says Taylor Corbett, a data scientist at the software development firm Visionist. People looked past their differences to find a solution everyone was excited about. Corbett's group, which was one of the three winners, developed a tool aimed at preventing unused opioids from being sold or abused. Called Take Back America, it compares the location of so-called take-back centers, where people can deposit unused pills, to statistics about overdoses and other demographic data. The goal is to figure out where geographic gaps exist so the DEA, which operates these take-back centers, can strategically map out where to locate additional centers. Another prize-winning product focused on physicians who prescribe opioids. The so-called Opioid Prescriber Awareness Tool, developed by a team of healthcare professionals, coders, and public health academics, analyzes Medicare records to show physicians how their prescribing habits compare to other physicians' prescribing habits. It doesn't matter who's in political power. This is the biggest, nastiest problem we could find, says Alex Rich, a member of the team who's pursuing a Ph.D. in public health at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. We're willing to work with anybody who will stem the flow of deaths to this crisis. As for Erlinson, his decision to join the hackathon paid off as well. His team's tool was inspired by an overdose spike in New Haven, Connecticut, that sent 12 people to the Yale New Haven Hospital in less than eight hours on June 23, 2016. The hospital had a shortage of the overdose reversal drug Narcan. Only nine of the admittees survived. Erlinson's team believed that better prediction capabilities could prevent that sort of life-threatening shortage. After analyzing overdose data across the state of Connecticut, they found that a sudden wave of overdoses in one county tended to have a ripple effect in those nearby. So they created a visual tool that allows hospitals and emergency responders to see when a spike might hit their communities based on what adjacent counties have experienced. They plan to use their hackathon prize to continue development in Connecticut. Despite the victory, though, Erlinson remains at least somewhat conflicted. There's a bit of reconciling of cognitive dissonance between the hopeful atmosphere I witnessed at the HHS event and the continuing rhetoric and policy decisions we see on the news, he says. Saliner, the public health academic, acknowledges that these types of tools could very well help save lives. I give a lot of credit to the dedicated staff within HHS who are trying to find creative ways to use the tools they have, he says. And yet, technology that helps healthcare providers do their jobs more efficiently can only do so much if the people who need access to that care can't get it to begin with. This podcast was made possible by Chubb. Hear how this family created one of the largest private wineries in the world right now. We started making wine in 1948, one bottle at a time. Today, we produce nearly 20 million cases a year. Chubb has helped us grow for the past 30 years. They helped us prevent equipment problems during harvest and provided guidance when we started exporting internationally. Now we're working with them on cybersecurity. 
My grandfather taught me to make a wine that over-delivers. Chubb over-delivers. Hear more stories at chubb.com slash podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.